0: Hello and welcome to the CHGO Bulls podcast HQ edition for the first time in real life in person. We've been doing this for years and we are finally bringing it to the CHGO studios. Today we are presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top rated sportsbook. Download the app and be sure to use promo code CHGO when you sign up. I am very excited for today's show. We've got Mark here in the flesh. We've had obviously a few podcasts since mm-hmm. since you've been in town, yep. but this is pretty exciting. I'm very, very pumped to have you here. What what are your emotions? What's going through your mind right now? I'll ah. give you the post game interview.
1: <laughs> Do I get to be like annoyed like annoyed by you in the same way the players are annoyed by you in that sense? Yes.
0: If you wanna, if you have something to say, just, just short say answers it, Mark. only.
1: Yeah. Like I played hard. We all tried hard. Uh, you know, I'm happy to be here, William. Thanks for having me. But. Uh, no, the, the that's the enthusiasm I was looking for. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, like, this is cool. This is cool as hell. Like, I've enjoyed every every opportunity that I've had to be in the studio with the entire team has been cool as. But uh, this one's a little bit more special. Well, maybe not a little bit more special, but it has other, a different meaning to it, I guess. Um, so for those that aren't aware, Will and I were podcasting before CHGO became a thing back in the old hate Bulls HQ days. But we never did it in person. It was always remote. Sometimes we couldn't even see each other when we were doing it. Uh, so now I'll literally be sitting next to him to the point where I can almost touch him almost almost touch him almost and we can podcast about this Bulls team it's uh it's an awesome awesome uh, awesome way to end my experience in here in Chicago this is my second last full day so great way to uh you know
0: culminate the trip one more game tomorrow which yep. i think you're going to yep uh, a rematch against the 76ers we're going to talk about that we're going to talk about last night's game we're going to talk about the defense the Bev era we're going to break it all down for you um but i first i know we've kind of hit on it a little bit and maybe we'll do it again tomorrow night but what is what is the game atmosphere been like just being in that arena um you know you obviously watch every game but mm. to actually experience it in person has got to be a different different feeling yeah
1: it's wild uh it's wild like the first the first game the first the first game I went to the Kings game that was a different experience just because it was the first one and, and cuz
0: you're sitting fricking <laughs> courtside <laughs>
1: Yeah, that helped. That that certainly made it feel a little bit different too. Uh, but, yeah, that that was that was a surreal experience because, like I said, it was the first time being there. This the second and third time is probably just more. I probably relaxed a little bit. I probably entered back into my normal mode where I was sort of just sitting and really, like, compressing and really diving into the game. Um, I'm much like you, William. Um, as people have come to learn at this point, where, uh, we're not up and about you and I like in the same way that Matt Peck and Big Dave are, right? We 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 just take things in. So. In the second and third games where I was like, I was I was less awestruck, I suppose. And I was just more appreciating what I was seeing and actually taking in the game by game, play possession by possession. Whereas the first game I sort of lost in the whole thing and couldn't really even remember what was happening to be honest with you. So uh, it's been awesome, but to, to uh, it's actually been odd as well. Not, not jumping on league pass for a change as well. Like yeah. I've barely used league pass uh, since I've been here. I've been on the NBA website a couple of times to like check the standings and that sort of stuff. But I haven't had to, you know, and watch a game via lead pass. I was re-watching the game from last night, but watching a game live, haven't had to need uh, lead pass at all. So that's been kind of cool as well.
0: And you just said it last night, we watched the game. So it's good that you had experiences in the arena and then yeah. they had the away game. We were able to watch at Rinaldi's last night with mm-hmm. a handful of our friends who are probably in the comments here. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was that was really fun. And the game itself was awesome. We're going to talk about the defense from that one and just how impressed we are and then sort of zoom out and talk about the big picture. How real is it? Um, are there indicators that maybe they're playing, they're punching above their weight? Is this actually who they are um, in terms of the Patrick Beverly era and the Pat Bev effect? And then we've got some interesting thoughts, I think, on the the roster moving forward in terms of leaning heavily on the vets and the line between young player development and winning now. So let's start out with. The defense from last night. I think that both really stood out to us um, Mentioned this in my post game story. The 76ers have been On an absolute tear They are over their eight game winning streak 131.5 offensive rating. Yeah, okay, crazy. the Kings this year have the greatest offensive rating of all time if the season were to end today at 119 So they're playing 12 points per 100 possessions better than the greatest of all time. The Bulls held them to 96 Yeah, so obviously like you can't play that kind of offense for an entire year something's got to give at some point but for the bulls to do that kind of damage defensively what was your reaction to seeing that i mean even if the bulls held them to like 110 115 uh
1: you know points per possession which is what
0: happened against the kings who are like
1: i said the best (laughs) offense of all time yeah exactly like even if they did that it would have been a a hell of an achievement like to your point, like the, what was it, the 131, did you say? Like, the Sixers were at that rate. Like, even if you took 15 points off them, like, that would have still been highly commendable. But to get them below 100 is literally insane. But I think the, the the best part about last night was like, at all levels of defense, any defensive element you want to focus on, the Bulls, by and large, were awesome in that respect. So, whether it was like Vuc, Guarding, guarding the pick and roll himself from a, like on a, on a drop defensive perspective. I talked about the point of attack defense last night on the post game show. The off ball rotations were amazing as well. More generally, um, the the decisions Billy made in terms of who he matched up on, the way the guys were switching on screens as well, I thought was tremendous last night. It's Particularly from guys you wouldn't necessarily consider above average defenders or even average defenders. Like they really held up strong in that sense. So. All across the board, the defense was just fundamentally sound the whole time, and that's why they were able to limit the sixes to what they did.
0: Yeah, you mentioned um, guarding the harden Embiid pick pick-and-roll at the point of attack is mm. basically one of the hardest things you can do in yeah, basketball. you're not impossible. They're they're so dynamic. The way Harden has been passing it, obviously we know what kind of playmaker he is, but he's still averaging 20+. plus. I mean, he's still going to put his shoulder into your chest and get all the way to the rim and get to the free throw line. Uh, he still has the the pull up step back three that's super dynamic and then if you double him and get the ball out of his hands well he's dumping it down to Joel Embiid who's playing as well as you can play basketball Um, so I thought that the Bulls you know they they threw a a couple of different types of um, point of attack defense at those guys whether it was meeting the handler at the point of the screen and forcing Harden to get rid of the ball whether it was dropping back And, um, sort of forcing floaters or lob passes, which can be a dangerous game. But, you know, I I tweeted a clip of this, like the first couple possessions, Vooch was awesome. He got his hand on, um, a couple of those entry passes, had a steal in transition, which was great to see. Um, and then you talk about the double teaming and in the post. He's been playing a lot more from the elbow Mm. and the high post area, but the bulls double teams, and this is kind of what they are trying to be. This is like, we've kind of address the question of like what is the Bulls identity this year. Mm -hmm. And I think that game was a big indicator of we are a team that can really rotate. We can rotate defensively. We can force the ball out of the best players' hands and then recover for it on the backside. I think a lot of that has to do with Patrick Beverly being in the rotation. But they did that without Alex Crusoe last night. I mean that was that was a statement defensive game. Um just from like you said, top to bottom, every single style that they played they dominated. Yeah.
1: And another thing, James Harden is listeners as questionable for tomorrow night. So that's an interesting wrinkle. We'll see if he actually plays or not. But because the Sixers like to get into those isolations, uh, like we, we spoke about a pregame last night that the Sixers are the, the third most heavy half-court team in the NBA. The ball's are fourth. That's going to limit this game. It's going to slow the game down more generally. But because the Sixers are so reliant on that Embiid, Embiid, uh, Harden pick and roll, like they're going to ISO a lot. They're going to pick and roll a lot. And what that does is it means guys like Demar and Zach who are playing off ball. Well, they know where to go because they know where that uh, you know, they know where the Sixers are, are trying to generate their offense from. But then, more generally, like if things are slowing down, if the, if those team or if those players are really isoing, then it just gives those guys more time to get into those rotational positions. Whereas the, if the ball's swinging, if the ball's penetrating in and out, moving and flying around like maybe the Kings do, it's harder to rotate them because obviously the ball's just moving at a more rapid rate. Whereas if you can sort of lock down on these two guys and then you know, really dig into those guys and then come back out and try to affect the shooters at that point, it just means your rotations are more likely to be on point because the, the Sixers themselves are slowing down the offense. So in that sense, it is a, a little bit of a favorable matchup, which is odd to say given how bad the Bulls have been in, in recent years against Embiid. But uh, there, there is an ability or a chance here for the Bulls to maybe, hopefully, repeat what they did last night tomorrow night.
0: I was listening to the Dunker Spot podcast on my way in today with Nikai's Duncan and Steve Jones, who do a really good job breaking down mm. the league as a whole. And they were looking at the East play in race and talking about the Bulls defensively. And Steve articulated something that I've been sort of trying to say. Um, I think he articulated it really well, which is like with Patrick Beverly now in the lineup, mm-hmm. you have this level of trust mm-hmm. where Vooch can really get into the ball handlers space, make him dump it off or pick up his dribble. And he has trust now between Beverly and Caruso that the bulls are going to make the right rotation. And I think they've had moments of that throughout the course of the year. Maybe we can use that to transition into just like their defense in general. Mm -hmm. um, And and where you think they are. Uh, Who is that NHK? We're testing my vision here. You got like the, the line charts NHK 20. Does this post all-star stretch, play uh of play validate billy donovan's extension um i don't know if we can necessarily relate it that much but like let's talk about the defense in general because i think that has it's gotten the point for me where i had some questions i still have some questions but you don't go 71 game sample size of being super lucky on defense i think that's kind of where i'm standing right now
1: no i mean the the defense is real and it has been for a long time and i I guess part of the reason why maybe there's been some trepidation in maybe believing how real it is was, I mean, fundamentally when you're building a, a defense around Vuc, Levine and DeRozan, I understand why there may be detractors or why there might there might be you know, some pause about the real ability of this defense and the fact that maybe it isn't as good as what it seems. So I understand all that. But even when this team was annoying and weren't winning at the rate that they are now... I would
0: still say they're annoying. I don't know if we can... <laughs> If well, uh, look, uh, exempt from that yet
1: if my team wins eight of 12 games um more generally i'm not going to find them as annoying i suppose but i guess what i'm getting at is when they're losing more than the, what they're winning which is has been a large chunk of this season like no one's really going to care or focus too much on, on the defense at that point i at least believe in it and and a lot of the talk earlier in the year uh, was like maybe this is just good luck maybe this is just a smaller sample but to your point we're virtually done with the season the regular season at this point like it is what it is and like if anything, the Pat Bev effect has been that this is amplified what was already there. So, to your point about like Vooch having more trust at the point of attack, what it also means is instead of just having one guy like Pat Bev on ball, it means you've got like someone like Caruso as well who can now float around. And we know someone like Caruso is just a defensive savant. So, instead of him being on ball in every opportunity, like you've now got him in off ball situations where he could be an absolute menace. Uh, was it the Heat game? It must have been the heat game because he had that massive block on Bam Adebayo. Like he wasn't obviously guarding Bam. Yeah, but he just came over took and took it helped.
0: out of his hands. That <laughs> yeah. was amazing.
1: Like that puts someone like Caruso in more off-ball situations where he can be an absolute pain in the ass and sort of ruin the heat defense. Oh, sorry, the heat offense in that instance. So when you have this sort of formula, and the Bulls have sort of played with this formula now where you've got those two defensive well, guards, two defensive guards, or sometimes like a big like Pat as well. When you've got like those two defenders around the main three guys, the recipe seemingly works. There's obviously a thin margin of error as we've come to experience this season when you take out one of those guys, um, as we've seen with no Lonzo all season. But ultimately, it's fundamentally working. That vision that AK had from that point of view, from a defensive standpoint, is working obviously been the offensive issue this season, but uh, I think there is real reason to believe the defense is real. And uh, like you said, we're 70 games into this thing. We we should believe it's real.
0: Uh, Let's look at some key stats here from the defense. You were gracious enough to uh, pick out for us. And I think it speaks to what the Bulls defensive philosophy is. So we can kind of break that down in a second here too, but we're fourth in Defensive rebounding percentage Mm -hmm. fourth in opponent second chance points. Mm -hmm. So really cleaning up the glass and finishing possessions I know it doesn't necessarily feel like that because they have games where they give up these really loud Offensive rebounds Mm -hmm. last night. Melton had one kick out for three that I think put the Sixers up uh, 96 95 in in the fourth quarter the first overtime and it's just like these back breaking possessions, but on the whole they are really good defensive rebounders Um, that's with patrick williams in the rotation who uh, a lot of people criticize his rebounding and vooch I mean he gets a lot of rebounds, but the work that he does boxing out I think is something that people don't necessarily talk about enough because He basically just clears out the entire paint when you and you have a guy like patrick williams at the four who isn't necessarily grabbing a lot of the rebounds himself you need somebody that will just like Take hold of the paint um and kind of do it for everybody so really good at closing off plays um, and finishing possessions with defensive rebounds um, and opponents are uh, fifth in points in the paint. So that I think is where things start to feel a little sketchy to me. Well, why? Um, when you are giving 66.2% of shots allowed at the rim, which is just about league average, mm-hmm. but you're also allowing the third most three, three point percentage Uh, Volume of three pointers attempted. Yeah, I feel like the bulls kind of are in this mode where they have to shut off one of those two things And if they're not going to shut off the rim and the paint at a really high level, then They have to be really good at shutting off threes. They've been Pretty good league average at shutting off the paint. I think that's where they want their priority to be Mm -hmm. But they're still giving up a ton of threes. So that part feels a little bit shaky to me What do you think about that?
1: I get it. I get it. And I, I think the instinct is correct, but I just, it's 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 case by case, by case dependent. So in years past, there've been some of the best defenses in the, in the NBA have been defenses that have given up a lot of threes. So that, I mean, instinctively, you don't want to give up threes, right? Because obviously we know three is greater than two, but just because a team gives up a lot of threes doesn't mean their defense is necessarily uh you know, painted for success. So as an example, like the San Antonio Spurs give up the least amount of threes in the NBA by quite, quite a bit of margin. Do you know where the San Antonio Spurs rank in terms of defensive rating?
0: Probably last
1: 30th. So, <laughs> uh, Washington wizards as well. Like they're the second best teams in terms of three point attempts, a attempt rate in terms of what they allow their opponents to take. They give up 33% of their, um, of, of their def- or their opponents offenses from threes. Again, the wizards are bottom 10 in, in defense. So it's not a pure correlation in that sense, um, but I think for what the Bulls and who the personnel that they do have, the way it's structured in terms of protecting the paint, I think to me that does make sense because we talk about all about we talk about all the time that this is a pick and roll league. Obviously, the the point of a pick and roll is to to get downhill to get the ball in the paint either as the as the ball handler or the, or the guy on the ro- on the roll. And if it's not doing that, then you you're looking to spray it out to shooters from thereafter. But the intent initially is to get to the basket. Everyone wants to get to the basket because it's. Apart from the three, it's one of the most e- efficient offense uh one of the f- most efficient areas of, of the court to score.
0: And I would I would add that it is probably the most efficient driver of efficient offense yeah. because you have to get to the paint in order to generate a lot of those threes, but continue.
1: Yeah, exactly. And and knowing the personnel of this team, like Vooch, I think, is an underrated defender. I think he catches too much heat for his defense. He was fantastic on defense last night. The way he was playing hard and as a as a passer and keeping Harden conscious and being middle of Harden as well as Embiid. I thought his defense last night more generally was fantastic. But you know he's not going to be at the rim blocking shots, okay? So we know that's his limitations. We know we we know we know what he can and can't do on defense. How do you build around that? So you need other guys to dig down and help. And that's what they did really well against the Sixers last night. And what this team does have an abundance of is big athletic wing-sized guys. Like Think about Pat DeMar. Uh, Levine, Caruso, even Pat Bev, like he's not a big guy, but he's obviously very active, very smart, can get his hand out there. So if these guys can protect the paint first, help Vooch there, and then relocate, get back out to the shooters, I think that's probably the best recipe for success for this group of personnel. And that's why to me, it makes sense. Um, And those numbers that you were quoting before, like the reason why I've noted them here in the rundown, because I think there is this feeling amongst fans that the Bulls are a terrible rebounding team or they give up a lot of second-chance points. And I know when that does happen in certain certain matchups, it happens a lot, like against the Raptors, for example, that, like the Bulls are prone to giving up uh, offensive rebounds and those sorts of things. Like there are some poor matchups for this team. And when we do see those things, it gets very amplified and we feel like it just carries carries over more generally. But one of the reasons this team is a fantastic, well, maybe fantastic is a bit too strong, but a very good defense is they close possessions more generally, which again, fourth in defensive rebounding percentage. People don't maybe think that's the case, but they're really good at finishing defensive uh, defensive possessions. They don't allow a lot of second chance points. They get back in transition, so they're not giving up trans- transition points a lot either. And because they play so much half-court offense, as I said before, the team's fourth in half-court rate, they're just not allowing transition opportunities. And we all know transition offense is the most efficient type of offense in basketball. So they just get the fundamental right, the fundamentals right, rather. And another thing to, to note as well, like they just don't fail as well. I think they're 10th or something like that in free throw rate, opponent free throw rate. So they don't fail. Like yep. They've just got all the good key fundamental markers of a decent defensive team. And they've just been able to use that as a, as a blueprint to, to build into, into what they've been.
0: Yeah, you said it. Eighth in opponent free throw attempt rate. 10th in turnover rate and only 9th in offense uh, opponent points off of turnovers. Basically, if you break this down, um, they're just taking care of the four factors. You've got effective field goal, turnover percent, offensive rebounding percent and free throw rate. If you can shut off all four of those things, you're going to have a good defense. um, Regardless of whether you give up threes, the bulls have benefited from some poor opponent three point shooting. They're shooting, Opponents are shooting below league average on the third most attempts uh, by rate. So they are benefiting there, but they are top 10 in almost every defensive four factor. Um, 11th in effective field goal, 11th in turnover rate, 4th in offensive rebounding rate, 7th in opponent free throw rate. So they are taking away the main drivers of efficient offense Mm -hmm. for opponents You can't take away everything. That's just impossible. It doesn't exist. Um, So I think what they've sort of focused on is taking away the main drivers and sort of letting the chips fall where they may. And I think the other piece of that is the rotations, which we've touched on a bit uh, already, but like, you have to be able to wall off the paint and then make up for that on the backside. I think their, their priority is to wall off the paint, prevent guys like Embiid or Jokic or... Um, even Harden from driving all the way, if it's going to be a guard to get all the way to the rim, that's like where the the breakdowns happen. So Mm. if the help has to come, that pass is there. If the rotation isn't crisp, then you're going to have an open three. Um, I don't have numbers on this, but Billy Donovan has mentioned multiple times um, in his media availability that like the Bulls are high up there in terms of contest rate, in terms of the amount of time that they are contesting three-point shots. So they'll live with those tough threes, obviously, like I said, you're going to give up efficient offense at some point or another. But if you can take away those four main drivers, that does give you uh, some faith that what we're seeing here is legit. And I think with Patrick Beverly, we're seeing that level up even more. Um, Obviously, the Bulls have been the best defense in the league since January 1. They've been top five since the All-Star break, and it just continues to hammer home the point that this defense is for real. And if their offense can sort of come around, then maybe they're going to be this good team that they've been playing like. But uh, let's get more into the Pat Bev stuff. But first, take a quick break from our sponsors. Mark, can you tell the people about Comet Lighting?
1: I can, William. I can. So Comet is an efficiency energy efficiency program committed to helping families and businesses in the community. We serve Manage energy usage and lower energy bills now and into the future, friends. So ComEd offers a wide array of incentives on lighting and other efficiency upgrades to commercial, industrial, even public uh, sector customers as well of all sizes all across our territory. So customers, if you want to inquire about it, um, if you want to inquire about uh, upgraded to uh, outdated lighting to energy, um, if you want you know, get to in, get in place some money, uh, money energy saving initiatives around,
0: That's <laughs> around, a good one.
1: around LED lights and these types of things, basically if you're looking to, to save money in your energy use uh, and your electricity use in particular, our friends at ComEd most certainly can help you out. So um, I- incentives have recently increased for indoor and outdoor lighting. Uh, network lighting controls, making these projects even more cost-effective than ever before. So, if you are interested in saving money on energy, and who isn't at this point, with with uh, rising costs all across the place, if you can save some coin with energy efficiency. From our friends at Comed, why wouldn't you? So if you're interested, visit comed.com slash poweringbiz, biz is B-I-Z. Now to start money, uh, to start saving money and energy uh, energy. So to start a pro- a project, contact them at 1 80 1855 rather 433 2700 for more information. If you want, you can also email them at business.business at comed.com or public at comed.com. Thank you, Comed, for all you do to help us saving. Energy and money.
0: Monergy, you might Monergy. Even say. <laughs> One thing I've learned uh, over the years, but for some reason seeing it in real life is uh, more notable to me, is that Australians pronounce the letter H as H, right? Yeah. H. Yeah, and, you, and Z. You'd Z. say like HQ, HQ and Z instead of Z.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you guys say
0: Z. 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 Americans. Um, America. I'm going to swerve topics here and tell you guys (laughs) about our friends at Roman, our new friends at Roman. Everybody wants to have a better sex life and 50% of men have symptoms that get in the way of enjoying that sex life. So if you want a better sex life, you are not alone and Roman is here to help. Roman is the digital health clinic for men addressing a variety of sexual health needs and offering genuine medication that helps achieve and maintain a strong erection. Roman offers discreet wipes that help you last four times longer in bed. In men with low T, getting testosterone levels back to normal can help increase libido. Roman offers testosterone tests, which include lab processing. And if it's appropriate, they will send you treatment for low T. There's no waiting rooms, no hassle. It's straightforward digital experience from the comfort and privacy of your own home. And if medication or testing is appropriate... Roman will send it directly to your door. Everything arrives in discreet packaging with free two-day shipping. So, to learn more about how you can achieve your personal sexual health goals, go to ro.co slash chgo to get 20% off your entire first order. That's ro.co slash chgo. To learn more about how you can achieve your personal sexual health goals. (laughs) <laughs> i like the third one the best um let's talk about the pat bev effect another way to re- <laughs> i was gonna i was gonna take it somewhere else there was a couple of low-hanging fruit inappropriate jokes that i could have yeah. made there i'll, I'll leave them there refrain I'll leave there. from but the pat bev effect is exciting me I'll, I'll say it that way um the bulls are as we know 12 and 4 since patrick Beverly. Has joined us, thank you, Stephen, for uh throwing up the graphic there. So, eight and four in their 12 games. Did I say 12 and four? Maybe they will get to 12 and four. Eight and four right now. They have the fourth best record in the east over that time. They are seventh in offense, first in defense, and second in net rating. And five of those eight wins have come against 500 or better teams. Mm-hmm. That is impressive. They've had a really tough schedule, they've taken down some good teams, they've been competitive against some good teams. And I don't know, man. It just, it's feeling a little bit closer to real. Um, We've had stretches where the Bulls have clearly underachieved. I think over the course of the season, we could all agree that like the talent level on this roster, a team should not have a, what what were they, 31 and 37 record, given the amount of talent that's on this roster. Mm -hmm. Um, And it feels kind of like now maybe things are swinging the other direction where Maybe they're not this good. Maybe they're not a top five offense and defense, but they're playing a lot closer to the level that they should. And I think, you know, obviously it's it's showing up in the numbers. The, Bull are, the Bulls are still 10th place in the East on the season, but sort of having the inverse season that they had last year where everything went right in the first half and everything went wrong in the second half. Yep. Now it's kind of the inverse where you have most things going wrong in the first half and things really starting to round into form. Um, Patrick Beverly kind of giving... His uh, his Lonzo Ball impression, obviously we know Lonzo will likely not even play next year at this point, but mm. um, just having that guy out there who can bring the ball up the court, get it to DeMar or Zach at the elbow, and then get into their offense, can spot up and shoot an open three if you're going to double team off of him, can defend, get up into guys, rotate, uh, hold guys accountable. Like The Bulls just really needed that. I think he's sort of this piece that has helped level the Bulls up to – at the very least playing at the level of the sum of their parts and not so far below. Um, Is this turn from being completely... I don't even want to call them mediocre because 31 and 37 is not mediocre. That's just bad. Is the turn from bad to playing at this high of a level, can you just... Is that on Pat Bev alone, or do you see anything else that's sort of indicating the Bulls are getting to this level? It's it's
1: on... It's on Pat Bev in the sense that having an extra guy in the rotation who a coach can trust, uh, particularly a veteran, I think that's where it's a lot on Pat Bev, obviously. Uh, So right now, Billy's basically playing an eight-man rotation. So if we look at last night's game, but this is true more recently, he effectively had an eight-man rotation. Yeah, Javante Green got in for eight or nine minutes. Uh, Andre Drummond played for six and a half minutes last night. But basically off the bench last night, It it was Io, it was Derek Jones Jr., and it was Kobe. Outside of that, like I said, Javante, Drummond here and there, but then they barely played is the point. So Billy's got seven and a half, eight guys right now who he trusts. If you take out Pat Bev, obviously that promotes Io or someone else into the starting uh, starting unit, and it pretty much just leaves you with either six and a half, maybe seven guys that you trust. So from that standpoint alone, just adding – taking someone like Tony Bradley off the team who was not playing, replacing him with, with someone like Pat Bev, who isn't obviously a, a very productive player more generally, but at a position that this team needed, the rotation itself just more generally has sort of been settled, I guess, in that sense. So now that Billy has his eight guys who we can trust, ideally you would want nine, maybe 10, but uh, maybe that'll be the case once Javante ramps up here and slowly gets back to it. And obviously Caruso, once he comes back as well, which will be hopefully soon. So, I think that's probably the most realistic, or the or the way that it feels most uh, real. I guess William is is that the fact that the, the, the Bulls just basically added a guy to their rotation for free, essentially. So I mean, in that se- in that sense, I do think it's real. Do I think they're going to be the de- the best defense until the end of the season? Do I think they're going to remain at, you know second in net rating, and will the offense stay at seventh as it has been over the last twelve games? I don't think so. I think it'll come down some. But having said that, like another thing to think about as well, like generally speaking um march april is when some of these nba teams start winding down whether it's the, the teams at the top they're pretty comfortable where they're slated or maybe some teams at the bottom are like yeah whatever we, we're, we're obviously tanking for wemby at this point so some teams are maybe looking looking elsewhere whereas this team right now they have no margin forever they need to win every damn game that they can because they're obviously trying to make the playing game or if not um, well I was going to say the playoffs but um, they're not getting up to the sixth seed so they're trying to get into the play and every game is crucial for this team whereas maybe for a team like the Sixers obviously they don't have that same criticality with, their, with, with each game as the Bulls do so uh, I think there are elements as to why this is real I don't think it's as sustainable in terms of the numbers that we've been quoting but yeah I think this team is just a better basketball club for, for having, uh, for having Pat- uh, Patrick Beverly in the, in the rotation
0: well, you mentioned the Sixers not necessarily having as much to play for mm-hmm. as the Bulls. I think that like the difference between the one or the opponent that you would have as the one or two seed versus the three seed is pretty significant depending on what happens with the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah. Um so I do think that there's value. The Sixers would have clinched a playoff berth had they won last night against the Bulls. Obviously that didn't happen. So I mean their season is not at the point where they're kind of coasting yet. And, oh, they, and they're playing not only their best basketball, the best basketball in the entire league. So obviously there will be a point and there will be opponents where that is the case. Um, but I don't think they've gotten there just yet. And I think I want to sort of deviate from our conversation here to ask this question, mm-hmm. which is like, given how well the Bulls are playing,
1: mm-hmm.
0: given how Patrick Beverly has affected the core the culture the defense the leadership in this locker room where do you see the bulls finishing out the season so just to lay the land here bulls are presently in 10th place they have a two-game cushion over the washington wizards who are currently in 11th um, they also have the tiebreaker over the wizards so that's a really good spot to be in but they're a half game behind the toronto raptors mm-hmm. who own the tiebreaker over the bulls and they are one game out of the eighth seed against uh, the Atlanta Hawks, who they play later on one more game against this year. Um, I mean, there's a world where they finish eighth. How, how realistic would you say that is?
1: It's tough. It's tough because there's a, well, 10, 11 games to go. Six of them are on the road, if I'm not mistaken. A lot of a lot of the opponents, they are playing similarly level teams, if not better. They've got a road trip coming up where they, they're playing the Lakers and the Clippers, and then the Lakers come back to, to the UC soon. So... I mean, the, we know the Lakers team that we're getting now is very different to the Lakers team from several months ago. The Clippers are starting to round into form as well, where there's another game against the, uh, the Bucks coming up as well. The, the Bulls have a crucial game. I think it's their fourth last game against the Atlanta Hawks. That's going to be a massive game in terms of what you're asking in terms of getting to that eighth seed. So can they get to that spot? Absolutely they can. They've put themselves in a situation now where, because they've ratted off these, these really good wins, they've got three in a row, um, they, they can realistically get to 8th. I didn't think they would beat all these teams in, in, the, in the fashion or in the manner they've done. I didn't think they would get the Sixers last night. I thought they would lose one of the, the one of the games against the Heat or Wolves, and that's why I figured they'd be really battling for that 10th spot with, with the, the Pacers and the Wizards. But those two teams have, have lost a couple of games too but more recently. The Hawks are playing tonight. The Wizards are playing tonight. Obviously, that context we'll know a little bit later after the show but if those teams, for whatever reason, just don't get it together as well, like that'll just help compound this thing to the to the point where the Bulls really have a chance of getting to, to eighth. They can't really get to seventh. The Heat are clear of, of 500 by you know several games. So it's, it feels like the Heat, I've uh, got seventh wrapped up. They may even get to sixth depending on what the Nets do. They're sort of trending downward. But, can the Bulls get to 8th? I think that's definitely in play if they can maintain this level of defense. If they can do that, they can go on the road and start beating some of these teams or beat some of the teams that they've got coming up. Then yeah, I think eight is more is definitely in play. Definitely in play.
0: I think so too. And I, I think it's a, a appropriate time to sort of um, revise or at least re-explain where my stance is about Mm -hmm. the direction of the team and the direction of the season and beyond, because things have changed. And I think that is the smart thing to do is to not hold firm and die on hills that, uh, you know, shouldn't be died on. So, like I said, the bulls are a game out of eighth right now. Um, I thought that they would get 10 just because like these wizards and pacers teams can't get out of their own way. And I knew that the bulls weren't going to give up. I think I can speak for you here, but I, I, um, I guess I won't yet and I'll let you reply but like I still sort of disagree with the direction that they've chosen to go in terms of going all out for the 10th seed because I think that's kind of a a lame upside to shoot for like we're talking about the 10th best team in the conference they're like going all out to to reach that level which I don't think is anything to really be that proud of yeah but the way that they're doing it at this point the way that they're playing is encouraging enough to where one, I can accept the fact that they're going to do this because that's the reality. Mm -hmm. And two, that if they are going to do it, at least they're doing it this way. They're not like falling ass backwards into these games against the wizards who are just like not trying to win either. Um, They're beating good teams. They're playing super high level basketball and they're playing like the best basketball that we've seen all year. And so this sort of, I guess, The way I'll put it is like I I think I said before, like what will convince me about this Bulls team. And I think ultimately at this point in the season, what it comes down to is like they are what their record says. And if they're a 31 and 37 team the way that they were a couple games ago, I was not gonna buy into that being a good team because I just don't buy it. Mm -hmm. But they're at a point now where they've won three in a row, they're six and four in their last ten, eight out of their last twelve. Like if they can get to five hundred. I don't, again, that's a 500 team is like nothing to be super proud about, but that at least tells you that they're trending in the right direction and that they've played actual good basketball in order to get to that point. So for me, I can accept that. Again, don't necessarily agree with the direction that they've chosen to go, but that was the choice. That's the direction they're going. And so if that's the direction they're going to go, they have to play good basketball and they're doing that. They're holding up their end.
1: Yeah, and I'm glad you brought up this point because if you weren't going to, I was. I was certainly going to because uh, there was a comment in the, in, the, in our show last night um, that stuck with me over the over the last 24 hours. And because I was in meathead mode last night, really enjoying last night's win, someone pointed out that um, that I was advocating that the team try to retool or rebuild at the deadline. And so, to, to no one's shock you and I are very much on the same wave like you know, on this on this topic as we generally are with everything else but like the reason why i thought that was the case because obviously the team was where the team was what where they were at that point there wasn't a lot of upside and not a lot of assets we know the draft situation we know the cap situation that's why i was at the deadline like just not well, i was disappointed that they didn't make something more fundamental more fundamental change to the roster obviously opinions can change and should change The team has won five of their last six games. They've won eight of their last 12 games. There's no point at this stage continuing to bang on about this team, uh, you know, trying to play for draft concessions, trying to play for draft picks. I know you and I have discussed that before, that that is the right path to take. And it was the right path to take four weeks ago, six weeks ago, but it's not now. Like we're in this situation, the variables have changed and because they have, so so should our opinions. And that's effectively what we've done. And to your point, William, like because... They're not sort of just... There's, there's multiple ways to get to 500, right? Like, if you look at it from... Or multiple perspectives to look at it as well. Through the last 12, 12 games, they've been one of the better teams in basketball. 12 games is not a big sample size. But there's 10 or 11 games still to go in the season. If they finish that 10 or 11 game period, ultimately round this out to be a 20, 25 game sample like that's a decent size sample it's all like essentially a quarter of the season a third of the season it's so
0: already 15 percent. i mean yeah exactly games is 15 of the season
1: so if, if we can get that up to like 20 25 of the season and they're continuing to play like this yeah okay their record may read 39 and whatever or 41 and 41 whatever the record says like you can look at that at face value and say yeah this is a very mid team but if you stop segmenting it down and breaking it down and saying, okay, this was where the team was at at this point in time, this is where they are now. Obviously this is more reflective of what the team should be. We saw last season, the inverse happened to your point. All right. Yes. The team was 46 and 36, but they weren't playing like a 46 and 36 team. Like as we were getting into the playoffs, it's very, very different at that point. So uh, if they continue this trend and things continue rolling as they are right now, where, like we said before, they've been the fourth best team in the Eastern Conference. You have to feel differently about these things. And like I said, that may have been my opinion at one point in time. I still don't over, I still don't agree from it, large, largely speaking, in terms of what's the best path in terms of maximizing your value long-term. Yeah. I don't think this is the right thing that they're doing. But if you're going to go down a path, whatever the path is, just do it as well as you possibly can. And I think leaning on your veterans like Pat, Uh, like Pat Bev, like Caruso, and trying to win these games now. Like if if that's the decision you've made, we're getting into the play and we want to win basketball games, then do it. Do it to your best ability. If you want to tank, then do it to your best ability. Just don't half-ass it. Like that's when I get annoyed. But if so long as they're doing everything that they possibly can to their best ability like they are right now, I'm going to call it how I see it. And they deserve the praise right now.
0: I think that's a really good point, um, especially about the playing your vets. One thing I'll say before we get into that conversation, because I think it deserves some more time, is the Bulls still have a lot to figure out this offseason. This is not like. No, s- this is not change. I, I don't think the, the approach that you have to come into the summer with, you're in a really tough spot cap wise where even if you wiped off the cap holds of Vooch, Kobe, Io, Javante, Patrick Beverly, even if you wiped off all their money, which they're not going to do you're only $10 million below Mm. the salary cap, meaning you can't really add an impact player. Um, As we've talked about before, the money that you owe Lonzo Ball is guaranteed. That's not coming off the books. So given that they're not going to get rid of some of these guys, and they probably shouldn't, it's just going to be really tough to maneuver that from a cap standpoint, uh, from a talent addition standpoint, making decisions about which of your young players that you want to keep is going to be tough, especially when you do have vets that are just straight up better than those guys and helping you win more than the young guys are. Mm -hmm. Um, So let's use that to transition into this final conversation. But before we do, Mark, tell our friends here about FOCO.
1: I will. So Chicago, you've already got the best sports coverage here with us here at CHTO. So we appreciate you obviously doing that. But uh, if you also want to be supporting our friends over at FOCO to get fitted out in the best sports gear around, then Mark, please do so. So FOCO, if you're not aware, they've got you covered from soldier field to the living room, to the North side, at the South side, uh, whatever it may be. These terms now make sense to me because I'm now experienced Chicago. I know what the North side is. I know what the South side is. We're in the West slope here. It all makes more sense to me, but I've also gotten to feel more of the culture. This is a sports town. People like to tell you, I like to show their affinity for their teams the amount of bears gear Bulls gear you see people walking around it makes more sense to me so if you want to be one of those type of people where you want to proudly wear your bears gear i know the bears are coming up soon although the draft is coming up soon the season season's i think in august september something like that i'm a, I'm a massive like nfl fan massive nfl fan massive bears fan um, i'm obviously going to get be getting my bears gear through foco um, obviously the balls are trending upwards if the Bulls get a home playing game, you need to be repping Bulls gear, friends. So if you want to do that, check out our friends at FOCO. They've got hoodies, they've got slippers, they've got bobbleheads, they've got everything in between. So if you want to get decked out like Demar with apparel from the leaders in sports, in merch, uh, sports merchant collectibles, FOCO is where you go, friends. So check out FOCO.com or click the link in the description below on within the, this episode. Uh, for all non-presale items, if you use promo code CHGO, you will get 10% H. off.
0: What a deal. What a deal. CHGO. Um, just want to shout out some people in the comments because we've got 91 folks watching, but we've only got 30 likes. So maybe we bump up the thumbs a little bit here. Um, but we got Kenny, Kenny B chiming in. What's up, guys? How you doing, Kenny? Thanks hey. for joining us. Um jelly who thankfully or maybe not so thankfully sent me a ebay link to a kyle korver jersey yeah, and, kyle korver bulls jersey last any, any night. update on that where's the where's the bidding at i'm waiting until uh like the last moment right. so i can do the final bid what's the process at the moment uh last night it was like 20 something and mm. i decided to chill out with Just the chill. with the bidding because again i'm not spending that much money on a bulls 20 dollars was where you called it for now for now all right um, look, this is a punishment after all. Uh, we got Prodigy. Greetings from Berlin, Prodigy. Thanks for joining us. Um, who else do we got in here? Our guy Fish. I don't think two of the three is going to be here next year. Uh, I'm assuming that means Kobe Io and who else would that be? Uh, I
1: assumed he was referencing. Oh, maybe uh, the Zach Damar and Booch.
0: Yeah. yeah, that could be the case too. Again, real big decisions coming here this summer from a financial standpoint, from a talent, and just. Because, again, you don't want to, like, necessarily build around two 33-, 34-year-olds either. Mm-hmm. So a lot of uh, interesting decisions, um, big uh, big bets that the front office is going to have to make. But if you're trying to make some bets, shout-out to our our uh, our sponsor, DraftKings Sportsbook. DraftKings Sportsbook is where I go to bet same-game parlays. I went there for my Super Bowl bets. We got MLB season coming right up here. Um it's just the best DraftKings. It's the best sports book in town. And if you go there with promo code CHGO, you can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA with promo code CHGO. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Today is Tuesday, and that means we have our DraftKings pick of the week. I was looking at some of the uh, the games that are on tonight. I was really hoping to do one for tomorrow, Bulls 76ers, because we had some luck with a little... We didn't do a parlay, but if we had parlayed these, it would have been a good win. Lawrence had uh, combined points, assists, rebounds from Bede, over 48. Joey had first bucket Zach Levine. And um, Bulls obviously covered covered the spread and the money line. So I would potentially be looking at uh, a little same-game parlay action for tomorrow. But I also saw... Kings Celtics tonight. Kings plus five at home in Sacramento against a Celtics team that has had some real bad losses this week, last couple weeks. They are still, uh, generally speaking, really strong over the last two weeks. I think top five in offense, top 10 in defense. Still a really strong team overall, but the Kings are hot. The Kings are the best offense in the league. The Kings are the best offense of all time. I'm taking the Kings plus five in the DraftKings Sportsbook. Pick of the week. Um, shout out to Jelly for keeping tabs on uh, the eBay status right now. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm going to try to not look at that and hope everybody forgets. Uh, let's talk about vets and young players. I and love the, vets. And the balance of player development and win now, which has been a big talking point throughout the whole season. Why aren't we getting more from Patrick Williams? Why aren't we getting uh, real progress from Iota Kobe White has finally turned the corner, but he's playing only 15 minutes a game. Yep. Um, now we're bringing in Patrick Beverly, and he's playing 30 minutes a game. And Caruso's moved into the starting lineup. What is your take, just in general, about... I think you kind of alluded to it already, mm-hmm. but your take in general about the balance of playing vets and still developing young players? Because it seems like that's the path the Bulls have taken here. Yeah,
1: it's been an interesting one. Like I could maybe more generally, I don't like it uh, the trying to to balance the two timeline thing. Maybe it makes more sense if the the younger guys that you do have, uh, legit studs, uh, and maybe you can make the the other argument too that maybe it doesn't make sense to, to really go into the, the a veteran laden team when you don't have maybe a top ten guy or a top fifteen guy like the Bulls currently don't have. So you could make uh, m- uh, both arguments and both would make sense um, depending on how you would try to to make that argument, but. I guess the Bulls have tried to thread the needle in that sense that they've tried to win now, so to speak, with DeMar, Vooch and Zach and have tried to, you know, obviously they've, they've picked, Pack- picked Pat in number four, obviously tried to, to de- develop Pat into something. They've had Io, they've had Kobe, they've had a few other young guys come here through here as well. But seemingly, if the goal is to get into the playoffs, is to win as many basketball games as possible, to get into the playoffs, do all this sort of stuff to really maximize the the last final prime years of Vuc and Demar. Like if you want, if that is the goal, then you shouldn't be relying on your younger guys as much as what the Bulls have been doing this season. That's my overall takeaway. That was my takeaway. The minute this season started, I've uh, held firm on that and uh, I feel pretty confident about saying that. So uh, I just think they've been entrusting too much this season on, on IO on, on Pat as well as Kobe. Now granted Kobe and, and Pat, they've made steps this season. They've been marginal gains. They've been good, competent role guys. But I still think they've asked a little bit too much out of these guys. So and coming back to what we were saying before, like the, the, the effect of Pat Bev, just getting in someone who's played 10 plus years in this league, no schemes, no personnel, can just be a solid rotation player from the jump. Like and this was a new team for him, new system, new defense, new offensive principles, new teammates, all that. But he felt pretty seamless, and the reason for that was like he's just a a well chiseled vet. Whereas these younger guys, they're still learning about themselves, let alone the rest of the league, let alone the you know the playbook, defensive schemes, etc., all those sorts of things. So, for me, my thinking all season long was, all right, cool. If we're trying to win games, why are we relying so heavily on the younger guys? Why is Patrick Williams the lone guy on this roster who is built like six foot seven, two hundred and thirty? 30 pound frame why doesn't he have someone challenging him from that standpoint Ayo had a really good ba- uh, rookie season but we're essentially entrusting him to be the starting point guard of a team that's trying to win a lot of basketball games like that's a tall order to ask for in some senses Kobe's had probably the most suitable role for the, for the longest time here um, him coming off the bench is more than fine which is why I had no issues that when they did bring in Pat Bev that Billy immediately went to the, the Beverly Caruso starting lineup, And I know a lot of people were disappointed with that, with Pat coming out. But that made a lot of sense to me at that point. It's the best five guys you got in the team. It's the best five. We, we know how good that five-man lineup has been. They're the fourth. In terms of minimum 300 possessions in this league, this uh, four five-man unit ranks fourth in terms of point differential. Like th- This five-man unit is legit. It's driving the Bulls winning record right now. So I, I, my point here, William, my larger point is, i just don't know why and we can speak about it from a coaching perspective, we can speak about it from a, a roster construction point of view. But if the if the, the if the idea was winning games, and presumably that was the case, this team needed more veterans, it needed more guys that the coaching staff could lean on, because we've seen it now with Pat Bev what having an extra one one guy could do to your rotation, someone who could come in and play basketball. If you could have I don't, I don't know if this was possible at all, but if you could have traded for Drake, J. Jake, uh, Jake Crowder, for as an example, whilst also getting Pat Bev off the uh, the buyout market, like could that have added another layer to what the Bulls are doing right now? So that's my thing. That if this was the case, if you're trying to maximize the, the you know the last remaining years of, of Zach, maybe not so much Zach, but Demara and Vooch, then let's try to get some vets in that know basketball. They don't have to be like old chiseled guys that are 38 years old or you know terrible guys like Tristan Thompson. If if, if a couple of 32-year-olds, like a Pat Bev, someone like that, we've seen the impact a Pat Bev can have. Maybe if they prioritise that a little bit more in the off-season, and I guess maybe that was their thinking with Dragic, but obviously that didn't work out. But had they just gone a little bit harder in that sense, maybe what we're seeing right now could have happened a little bit earlier, I guess. That's my thinking right now.
0: A lot to unpack from that. I, yeah, I would sorry. start with, uh, <laughs> I would start with the idea of just the roster construction in general. Yeah. The Bulls, as you note, have really relied on Patrick Beverly. I'm sorry, Patrick Williams, and Ayodele. That lineup is like the fourth most used lineup in the entire NBA. They're plus 1.2, so they've performed well—not great, but Fine. well. Um, that's not good enough, I think, for a starting group on a good team. But it is pretty good with Caruso in there instead of IO. So Patrick Williams, the big three and Caruso, they're plus eight in 405 possessions, which is a lot. Um, Another very commonly used starting lineup, starting five. And then as you mentioned, the Beverly with Caruso lineup um, has already crept into the top 50 most used lineups in the entire league for the entire season, Mm -hmm. which is kind of crazy. If you think about it, just given the fact that they've played like 10 games together, Crusoe's missed, I think two or three of these games since the, since the Beverly era started. But because of how many possessions they play in a row, like Billy gives these guys eight minutes to start the first half and then five minutes to close halves every game. They're really racking up possessions where a lot of these teams will quickly go, you know, one sub in. And so like the, the, the group of five doesn't get any, or doesn't get as many minutes together. So all that to say, All of a sudden, despite it only being a few games, because they've played so many minutes per game together, Mm. the group of Caruso, Beverly, Zach, DeMar, Vooch, relatively speaking, has been a very commonly used lineup. We have a lot of data to show that they are really good, and they are really good. They're plus 18.6 points per 100 possessions, one of the best in the league. Um, So I think from that perspective, yeah, it makes sense. I mean, you're putting better players in the lineup, and they're performing better. It's, like, not that complicated. But I think where it becomes difficult, there are two areas where it becomes difficult. One is player development, and how do you get some of these young players that really do have to be, like, the future of the franchise, important, like, high leverage minutes without overextending them in terms of how much they have to do offensively. Um, They are doing a lot defensively, both Io and Patrick. Um, I think that comes down to Depth and the fact that like jamonte has been great when he's played this year, but like He's not a 36 minute per game starter and if he's not that and patrick is then You're just you're lacking depth and you're overextending some of these guys same with io um, if lonzo was there he'd be playing 12 to 18 minutes a game instead of 36 minutes a game and I think that would be a much more comfortable Position for a player of his age and of his skill set So I think the depth has a lot to do with that. That's not to excuse the fact that the roster has just not been good enough. The fact that if they had better depth, they wouldn't be in this position in the first place. Mm. Obviously the Lonzo injury hurts you there. And I I do think we kind of, uh, I don't know, dismiss that excuse because it is an excuse, but it really has completely changed the outlook of this team over the past year and a half and into the future. Um, and the last thing is, like, they. I think they have gotten a lot better. It hasn't necessarily been in the way that, you know, Patrick turning into a 15, 20-point-per-game guy is, I think, what a lot of people... We spent all summer talking about how everybody's going to have that expectation and be disappointed when it didn't happen. Yeah. But he has quietly become one of the best wing defenders in the league. I was just looking through uh, some of the defensive EPM numbers. Uh, EPM is the all-in-one statistic at dunksandthrees.com. That covers... Uh, You know efficiency stats on off stuff Um, And so I was looking For where Patrick Williams is he's around The 80th percentile in defensive EPM And just to sort of hammer Home this point of playing your vets Alex Caruso plus 4.3 defensive EPM Number one in the league next closest 3.5 he is 0.8 better than the next It's like a tier of his Own it's like Jokic or Steph In their unanimous MVP years And the field. That's how good Caruso is. And I think he needs to be in the defensive player of the year conversation. Yeah. He's damn good. Hey, you won't get me arguing with that one. He's the
1: team leader in plus minus for a reason. But uh, coming back to some of that, we've been throwing a lot of numbers at the people today. So I apologize in advance, people. When you get William and I together, we we tend to do that, right? We like like numbers, but some more numbers for you. I preface that to say I've got more numbers coming for you. (laughs) But like uh, the thing with this team is – And then this is, some of this is uh, dependent on the big three as well. And I'm still referring to them as that. Okay. Apologies. But there's a thin margin of error here. And maybe these guys should be better in their ability to carry some of these younger guys, but clearly they haven't been able to. But in lineups, when you've had both Io and Pat out there, you quoted it before, they're plus 1.2, which is fine. It's okay. It's a sign of an okay, decent team, but you know, not a not a, not a, not a team like that has...
0: Translates to roughly 44 wins over the course of the like season. Something like that.
1: Yeah, exactly. But I, now, I'm going to quote some two-man two combinations. Now, granted, these numbers are fraught. There's a lot of noise within these numbers. But just Io and Pat, when they're on the court together, irrespective of who the other three guys are, those guys together are minus 5.5 in terms of point differential. So what that tells me is that you can't necessarily play all of these young guys at once, or at least in high leverage moments. You can't carry them all, or you can't carry more than one of them. You quoted the number before where maybe you've got Pat on the court, but he's out there with Caruso and the big three. That's a functional lineup that works. A lineup with Caruso, Io, and the big three is equally as good. They're plus 9.7 in, in 203 possessions. So the point is, you can play one of these younger guys with the, with more experienced guys, but the, the, the when you start getting into situations where... You're needing to rely on Io plus plat plus the big three. That's when things get into you know when the Bulls get into trouble. Now again, maybe Zach, maybe Demar, maybe Vooch need more heat in that sense because they're not able to uh, overcome the deficiencies of these guys. But what it does speak to is, and and we come back coming back to the Pat Bev thing. Like this team needs vets around Vooch, Demar, and Zach. They need the right personnel around those guys. And right now, unfortunately, guys like Io, guys like Pat, even guys like Kobe. You just can't rely on them to be that every single night. So that's why it makes sense to me for them to be reserve guys, to be role guys. Yes, it means that may impact their development right now, but uh, I think just based on how this, like how the what the team's trying to achieve and the, just the hierarchy of the team and then just the natural tendencies of Zach, Vucevic, and Demar, like the way they've settled into things now with the with the two veteran guards, Caruso, Bev, next to the big three, it makes complete
0: sense. I do agree with that, but I also think one, like I said earlier, I think that they have really developed. I think that like we have seen growth from those guys. It just hasn't been in the ways that I think people want. Yeah. Um, and two, I think that there is really valuable room for growth in those lineups that we've been seeing lately with IO Kobe and Pat out there together. Mm -hmm. I think that's a position where all those guys can be a little bit more aggressive because they need to be. And they're all have been really good defenders this year. Um, So I do think that there is room to growth, whether Patrick is playing 36 minutes as a starter or not. Um, He needs to be out there, yes, but, like, it doesn't necessarily have to be in those, um, you know, starting or closing lineups, necessarily. Do you want to hear
1: some Billy Donovan criticism from me? Yeah. I know it doesn't really happen, because I, I am the Billy apologist, but my... And I said this from the jump. If people want to go look at my tweets from the start of the season, I didn't agree with Io and Pat starting this season. I was all about Javante and Caruso starting this season, and this is why, because I didn't think those guys were necessarily ready, or I didn't think maybe playing two of these guys made sense. So, if you want some criticism from Billy, from my standpoint, I wouldn't have started this season with with uh, either Io or Car- Io or Pat starting. Maybe you could take, maybe you could hold one of them in. At the start of the season, if you remember back, Pat was really, really ordinary. I was really, really good. So I would have been starting Javante Green. I also would have been starting Alex Caruso. Now I know that's fraught with danger given those two guys are in and out of the lineup all the time. So who knows how long it actually would have held for. Um, but there was that moment in time where Billy was floating with that idea of of going to that Caruso-Javante li- lineup towards the end of 22, but then Javante got hurt and we didn't really yep. get to a chance to, uh, to see that. So again, more numbers. Sorry, friends, but... Javante Caruso in the big three, they've only played 27 possessions together this season. Uh, Derek Jones Jr. Caruso in the big three, they've only played 10 possessions together all season. And why is that? Because obviously so many of these lineups have been filtered in with one of Io or Pat within within those big three. So now I think the rotation is where it needs to be. I don't think it was where it was back in back in the time. That, it, to me, is the Pat Bev effect. Now you've got this other vet that you can trust. You can have your, your younger guys settle into more limited roles, roles where they could be more successful, and I think that's why we're seeing what we are.
0: Good stuff. I want to reply to a few uh, comments here. Alexis, is my guy Joey here? No, we are stuck with Steven today. Sorry,
1: guys. Steven Nicolopoulos.
0: Steven Nicolopoulos. Uh, Steven's our guy. Joey is out and probably will be back with us tomorrow. Not sure what his schedule looks like, but don't worry. He'll be betting Zach Levine, first bucket, and you can tail him there. Um, What else do we have here? Uh, Personally, from Renewable Rechargeable Review, personally, I'd prefer to let Terry2x, meaning uh, Tyrell Terry, uh, Terry Taylor and Dalen Terry, Marco and Io, get the majority of run but this damn playoff resurgence, dot, dot, dot. Yeah, I mean, they could have been in a moment where that was the right path. I think we all would have, not all, but I was certainly arguing for that. I felt like that was the move, but like we said earlier, like they've made their bed now. They've picked a lane, and if they're going to do it, they better do it. Um, Marquise asks, what should Aya work on this offseason? Jumper. Jumper, for sure. Always got to be working on that. To me, and this applies to Patrick, too, ball handling. I think that is the level that, so you can have shooting as a skill set. You can have defense as a skill set, but like if you add, and that can like get you to be rotation player, but if you add really good handle, I think that can elevate your game exponentially because it allows you to attack closeouts. Mm -hmm. It allows you to shoot off the dribble. It allows you to like, yeah, I think attacking closeouts for those two specifically is the big one because they're not going to be generating a ton of their own offense. Yeah, ball handling to me is like one area that can take you from good to great really quickly.
1: Yeah, and just just to build off the point you've made, a lot of people want to see Pat more involved as an on-ball initiator. You can't be that if you don't have the, the necessary ball handling abilities to do so. Mm-hmm. So I know there is a lot of fans out there that want to see Pat uh, Pat on-ball, maybe instead of being the guy setting the screens, the guy you know using the screening, trying to get downhill. And I think that'll come in time. But for that to happen, he needs he needs that ball handling ability. And, and there has been a lot of occasions this season where he's tried to put the ball in the deck and he's had it stripped immediately. So it's possible for him to improve that because we've seen Kobe White do that this season, or throughout the offseason into this season. So it's possible if he works on that, to your point, he can run more pick and roll. It can add another dimension to this Bulls offense. And when you start thinking about you know this this current iteration and the transition of this iteration into something different, where maybe Pat is being more used more as an on ball guy, then that all starts with his ability to handle the ball, and that's that's I would definitely agree that's the thing he needs to work on most most this offseason.
0: Um, Ramsey's Rendon replying uh, replying to a comment that I made earlier about Alex Crusoe being defensive player of the year, and the fact that he can't do that because he plays only one out of three games. Well, guess what, buddy? Alex Crusoe fifty nine games played. Jaron Jackson, current. Defensive player of the year, favorite 54 games played. So that put them in there. Alex Caruso, all defensive first team lock. I'm calling it right now. Yeah. If you want to make us pick of the week, that's your pick of the week. Um, what else do we have here in the comments? <laughs> um, shut me up. Yes. Ramses. Um, we appreciate the comments. Uh, I think that can wrap it up there for now. Um, yeah, I I do think it's just an interesting position to be in because the Bulls really have tried to walk this line and it hasn't necessarily worked in the ways that they want. There have been setbacks in mm-hmm. terms of injuries mm-hmm. that have made things difficult, but yeah. again, tying this back to the top and just like the what we're seeing from the Bulls in general right now, they're playing their best basketball. They're committed to doing what they are like the path that they're on and I think adding Beverly for both depth, defense, trust, what it's done for Vooch, um, what it's done for Caruso to be able to do a little bit of everything instead Mm -hmm. of having to do everything by himself. Um, I I think he's just really extended the rotation in a way. And then to your point, Billy has pushed the right buttons. I think what he did last night, uh, subbing Derek Jones Jr. in when Embiid got fouled out, I thought that was brilliant. Um, I just think in general, he's really... And then, like, the other thing with Billy, and this is like a whole other hour long conversation we won't put you guys through, but like the fact that the Bulls haven't let go of the rope. They're 31 and 37. They could just fall apart and let this season slip away, but they are sticking with it. I think you have to give Billy some credit there. Uh, this could have gone sideways, more sideways than it was, um, but it didn't. And the Bulls are all of a sudden back in the mix here, not just for the 10th seed where they presently are, but for the 8th seed where they are one game out. Um, We've got another game tomorrow against the Sixers. We'll see how that goes. I'm (laughs) sure Embiid will be licking his chops. Uh, He had like 36 and 17, so he's not going anywhere. Uh, We will be back tomorrow evening for pregame. We will be back tomorrow for postgame. I will be in the United Center, but I think all three of you guys are, are headed to the game as well. You, Dave. Yeah. So I'm not too sure and if there Matt. will be
1: a pre-game maybe folks maybe Look at me uh, speaking up turn No look it's, it's it's still up in the air uh, we're, we're, it's my last full day tomorrow my last opportunity to see the Bulls in person for this trip so uh, we're seeing if we can get to to Bulls Sixers tomorrow night. So uh, if that happens, maybe there won't be pregame. Maybe they will. We'll we'll keep you updated. Is the point. But
0: as of right now, it's showing no pregame in the schedule.
1: There you go. There's no the answer. No pregame in the schedule. But so
0: you can follow our Twitter and we will keep you updated there. 100%. That's at chgo underscore Bulls. We got at MK Hoops. I'm Will underscore Gottlieb. Um, this has been really fun, Mark. Our first, maybe last, but hopefully not last, in person. <sighs> Bulls HQ, CHGO Bulls HQ podcast. Um, Shout out to Steven for pushing the buttons in the background. We appreciate you. Um, Shout out to our sponsors, DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the app using promo code CHGO, and we will talk to you guys tomorrow.